You're listening to the Getting Swamped Podcast. Your number one podcast for Florida Gator football. Scared money don't make money. All right, so, you know, I think uh, I was actually talking to Anthony before the game. You know, certainly um, you take the field there, you know, you run out of the tunnel, you go to your sideline, you, you know, Anthony's warming up there before the game. And I think to me, you know, what I said to him, I think applies to our entire team and organization is that urgency that you feel right now, right, that to, okay, hey, I want to perform. I want to do my job to the best of my ability for the team. Um, we need that same level of urgency between now and the first opportunity in the fall, right? So every day, each opportunity that we have to improve the off-season program this summer, every meeting, every walkthrough rep, every practice rep, we've got to take full advantage of. You know, players, they all want to play good. You know, when they got a lot of eyes on them, right? And I think more importantly here, what we've got to learn is it's about what we do when nobody's watching, right? Uh, the discipline that we live life with, the integrity that we approach things with, certainly the effort. Um, we've got a ways to go in that area. I do want to compliment our fans. I want to compliment our student body. Um, and certainly, you know, Thursday night, right? Football, Gainesville, Florida. Um, it was electric out there. You know, I mean, I think um, even better than I expected, to be honest with you. But I'm, I'm very thankful for the support. You know, we, we made a decision to move the game. Uh, they rallied behind that. They showed up. And uh, we had a great group of recruits uh, here today as well. And uh, hopefully we can capitalize from that. But, you know, I think this is a little bit of a midterm exam, in my opinion, right? We've worked our way through phase one, phase two, and phase three. Uh, and now we get to kind of regroup, assess where we're at. Uh, our players are getting ready to move into um, what we call reload period, discretionary period. We'll have exit meetings. We'll talk about strengths and weaknesses, uh, things to work on. And there'll be a very specific plan for our team to improve, right? I'm very pleased with what I've observed up until this point, uh, but we are certainly not content um, with what we have done. So. You know, going forward here, it's about improvement, right? And I think tonight was a great opportunity to learn. We can learn from the things that we did well, the things that we can do better, and we, we've got to focus on improvement from this point forward. All right, spring game is officially wrapped up, and we got a glimpse of what the new offense will look like under Billy Napier and his regime. And I also you know, want to give a special shout-out here to David Waters, some of the Gators Breakdown Plus group who were out with us at Gators Dockside Pretty fun time there. I did not know that when you go in there and you buy a drink during the day, it's a uh, buy one, get one free. So, um, yeah, I, I, I had a, uh, a good amount uh, before I got to the stadium there, but uh, I was able to hold my own and, and let some of that wash away to where I could get in there and uh, watch some of this football game. And uh, I want to give a special shout-out there to some of the Harmonic Woods Tailgates folks as well that met us up there. And I also happened to run into a few guys there that listened to the podcast. So it was really cool to be able to go to the stadium, uh, you know, as, as it is, it's a long drive for me. It's a four to five hour drive from Atlanta all the way down to Gainesville. So it was really cool to see some of the guys that, you know, actually listen to this podcast. So I give a special shout out to those guys. I also ran into Donovan McMillan, who had an excellent game there uh, at Miller's Ale House after the game at Celebration Points. A special shout out to those guys. And man, 
It was a great getaway, for sure. Lots of key takeaways from the spring game. And first off, I want to start off with what I noticed basically just right off the bat in this spring game is tackling, man. We didn't see many missed tackles there. I mean, there were some, but tackling seemed to be very vastly improved this game. Not many runs up the middle that went for huge gains. For the most part, up the middle, the run was stuffed. Uh, and now, there were some decent-sized runs from the running backs. Not really explosive. No explosive plays this game, but... You could also tell that Bowman has a quick burst of speed, at least from the part of the field I was sitting on. He would actually lead the game in rushing yards with a total of 61 rushing yards on 17 attempts, averaging 3.6 yards per rush for the Orange team. Now, leading for the Blue team would be Montrell Johnson with a 13 attempts for 55 yards and a touchdown, averaging 4.2 yards per rush. He would also have the longest run of the running backs in this game with a 10-yard run. So like I said, man, not really any big explosive runs from these running backs, but look, man, I kind of like to see that. Just remember, we're playing ourselves this game. Tackling and taking care of the run was something we couldn't do last year and the year before. So, you know, it's nice to see that we're able to contain the run and we're forcing the quarterbacks to have to, uh, you know, make a run play themselves or forcing them to pass the football. So, you know, I will say overall from a defensive perspective, I was pretty impressed. And, and, and I'll get into that later. But overall, rushing-wise on both sides of the football, Orange team with 78 total rushing yards, Blue with 91 total rushing yards. So both defenses holding the other teams to under 100 yards rushing. Really impressive, you know, considering what we have saw, you know, in the games before and even the, the, the spring games before. I think this was probably one of the better spring games in taking care of the run. So really good numbers there defensive-wise in stopping the run. And, and we didn't see much of Lorenzo Lingard, but from what I know, he had pulled muscle or something of that nature. So from what I know, it was something small, not really anything big. And I'm pretty sure the staff took him out for precautionary reasons. So no, no big worry there for you Lingard fans. Also, what I did notice here as well in the spring game is penalties. Penalties have been a, obviously been a huge thing for the University of Florida for a long time. And, and what, what did Napier say last week? He wants one penalty every 30 plays. And when I calculated the numbers, since I'm a complete stat nerd on both the orange and blue team, they both had three penalties apiece in a total of 169 plays. So with those six penalties, you average around 28.1 plays per penalty. So so close to that 30 range, but still work to do. Uh, the blue team actually did extremely well on penalties, having 91 total plays with only three penalties. And that comes out to a penalty per 30.3 plays. So the blue team actually did have, you know, a penalty every 30 plays there. It uh, 78 total plays for the Orange team with three penalties, which comes out to a penalty every 26 plays. So, you know, I hope I did not lose you folks with all those nerd numbers. But overall, as a team, Florida did pretty well in penalties. Vast improvement there. But as I said, always still work to do. And also, you know, under their average of 7.8 penalties per game last year. So if you wanted to see improvement in a penalty aspect, you saw improvement. There still is work to do, but I liked what I saw overall, just penalty-wise, from this team. So, two big things I noticed right off the bat when I personally watched it from the field. But now let's get into the main part of the spring game. How are the quarterbacks? So, as far as Richardson goes, loved what I saw. He looks poised. He can make quick decisions with the football. Once again, not many explosive plays, but he did have really good intermediate routes, short routes. And the decisions with the football were really what stood out to me. Really quick decisions, knew where to go with the football, looked poised. I, I, that's all you really want from a quarterback. You know, not really many big explosive pass plays. You know, Richardson would go for 18 for 24 for 207 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, and have a quarterback rating of 175 and also have a completion percentage of 75%. So fantastic numbers here for someone who didn't even play the whole football game. Uh, he did most of the game, but not completely all of it. But fantastic numbers here for Anthony Richardson. 
Now, I will say, as far as the other quarterbacks, we didn't really get to see much of Del Rio Wilson or Jalen Kitten. We got to see a little bit of them, but, I mean, just from the naked eye and looking at it, you know, nothing too impressive, not a lot of time seeing them, but uh, we did get to see a lot of Jack Miller suiting up in a spring game for the first time as a Florida Gator, and to me, yeah, he looked all right. Nothing too great, but look, he, he just got to campus not too long ago. He's in a different system with a different coach. There's going to be a learning curve. And and I know he was mixed in with some of the ones, twos, maybe some threes. But for the most part, what I saw, I mean, there's work to do, in my opinion. And I'm just being honest. Uh, but overall, it wasn't bad. It wasn't good either, though. Uh, he would go 13 for 23 for 121 yards, zero touchdowns, 57% completion rating. And uh, one interception he would throw in the red zone to Donovan McMillan, who had an excellent game, by the way. And I'll get into that later. But you could tell, you know, that throw from Jack Miller was forced, probably a little bit ill-advised, but a learning experience from him nonetheless. And you want that to happen in a spring game when you're playing yourself and not playing against another team, especially if the game's on the line and you're, uh, you know, opting for zero points instead of seven or three points there in the red zone. So, you know, he would have a quarterback rating of 92. So, as I said, you know, Jack Miller, new system. And look, man, he hasn't had that much playing time, even when he was at Ohio State. He only played 53 total snaps in two years. So, I mean, I do give him somewhat of a pass. But, you know, I'm hoping for the most part, <laughs> we better hope that Richardson can stay healthy this year because Miller, he's going to need time. He's going to need time to get acclimated with the game and the staff because you got two other quarterbacks behind him in Del Rio and Kenda who obviously have had zero playing time as well. So, there's... You know, a cause for concern at quarterback, is there? No, not really right now, but all that remains on the fact is if Richardson can stay healthy. If Richardson can stay healthy, there's no cause for concern at quarterback. Now, Richardson goes down, then there will be a cause of concern going forward. And also, when you look at it, between all quarterbacks, there really isn't much playing time in between all of them. I mean, Richardson only had nine total game appearances, played in only 206 total snaps in his career as well, but... You see what he brings to the table. You see the athleticism. You see the keen eye, as you know, how he looks off the safeties and the linebackers, knows what target to throw it to, albeit he's made a few young mistakes, not many, but you're going to get that with a quarterback who hasn't had significant time on the field. So the he's the only real in-game experienced quarterback you got coming into the seasons. Got to stay healthy, man, especially on that side of the football. All right, let's go into receiving from these wide receivers and tight ends here. Uh, leading the team in receptions for the blue team are two names you probably would not have even thought of about entering into this season. Dante Zanders, Noah Keeter would have a combined total of 109 yards receiving and a touchdown between the two. Zanders would average 11.2 yards per reception, catching 83% of his six targets for 56 total yards, and Noah Keeter would catch all three of his receptions for 53 yards, one touchdown, and average 17.7 yards per reception. You know, who, who would have thought these two guys would be leading and receiving for this team? I, I mean, I remember watching from the sideline Noah Keeter's touchdown uh, on a tight end quarterback rollout there and being happy for that guy, you know, a guy who transferred over from UCLA to thinking he was going to be buried on the depth chart, you know, with the likes of all the other guys in front of him. But really taking advantage of the injuries we've had here at the tight end position, really happy for that guy, man. And the fact that he, we got to see production and good production from the names Billy had put into that spot because of injury issues. And you heard Billy Napier rave about Dante Sanders in his press conference. And 
we we really get to see why he did. I mean, really good tight end play for both of those guys. You know, hats off to him, man. Having to switch positions on defense, coming into a tight end role, and really killing it here in this spring game. Now, switching to wide receiver from the blue team, Trent Whittemore would actually lead the team in receptions with three catches for 36 yards, averaging 12 yards per catch. Justin Shorter, three receptions for 27 yards, averaging nine yards per reception. And Jamarcus Weston, one reception for 19 yards and a touchdown. Xavier Henderson, one reception for five yards, targeted five times there, but only coming down with one reception here. Uh, Khalil Jackson, one reception for four yards. So good play defensively for this defensive backfield on the orange side of the football, only allowing receivers to have just 91 of the total yards in receptions, holding them to under 100 yards. Uh, I don't I don't think we could say this under Todd Grantham in the last half in any spring game. So hats off to the job that Patrick Toney and the other defensive staff are doing thus far, not allowing big explosives in the passing game against a quarterback who's shown a ton of promise in Anthony Richardson. So now is there a cause for concern of lack of explosives and getting open downfield? Honestly, I don't really think so. A spring game can be really deceiving, especially if you think about defense versus offense and vice versa. You can really be a glass half empty guy or a glass half full kind of guy. I'm a glass half full kind of guy. And remember, man, we saw a lot of one-on-one battles in the backfield and at some good plays defensively in one-on-one situations, something once again I could not say a year ago, with the exception of Kyrie Elam. I mean, there really wasn't a guy in the defensive backfield that you could put a lot of trust in to win in a one-on-one situation. So really good defensively scheming up and putting these guys in position to make some plays. All right. Orange team only saw tight end action from one tight end, Keon Zipper, who would have two receptions for a total of 33 yards, averaging 16.5 yards per reception, and a, and a really fantastic 28-yard catch he had in this game as well. One of the actual notable explosive plays we saw in this spring game, albeit there wasn't a lot of them, but uh, that would be the only tight end production we would see on that side of the ball. But as far as wide receiver goes... Uh, for the Orange team here, Jaquavian Frazier's would lead the team in receptions with 53 yards, averaging 10.6 yards per reception, and had a fantastic one-on-one catch there at the beginning of the football game from Jack Miller, another one of those receivers we've been itching to see for a long time, finally making a big play there to start the game, but would end up you know, the game on a high note leading the team in receptions. Uh, Dejon Reynolds would also have one reception for 15 yards, so nothing too exciting that stood out here offensively for the Orange team either on offense, but a special shout-out to the Blue defense, man. Holding Orange to only 121 yards offensively and only allowing receivers to catch for 68 total yards. Once again, man, things you like to see from the defense. That's what I really want to concentrate on here as we turn the page. But uh, let me end it with this offensively. Look, we knew it was coming. It was going to be a challenge, losing Copeland to the portal, and the overall experience we have at quarterback and receiver coming into this season. And now, isn't it an excuse for good defensive play? Uh, we may never know, but I will say this. Defensively, you didn't see a lot of confusion, which I liked whatsoever. Kids were trusting each other. You didn't see a lot of mistakes where guys were not on the right spot or acting confused. You saw a pretty locked-in and gelled defense. And that's the kind of defense that we're used to seeing here at the University of Florida, which is what you want. Uh, You want this defense to challenge this offense, to get open, to make plays. These kids could have honestly just said, well, it's a spring game and and just played with somewhat lower energy or demeanor, but you saw none of that. Kids were making plays. Pads were popping. I mean, you saw that hit Donovan McMillan had on DeMarcus Bowman. I mean, you saw cohesion on that side of the football, and that's my biggest takeaway from the spring game overall. But as I said, you want to see this offense get challenged like that because – 
Coming up in September, the first opponent on schedule isn't a cakewalk, folks. So really fantastic performance from the defense overall, and that's what I'm going to get into now. I want to start off with this blue defense, man. I mean, wow. I mean, these guys were making plays all over the field. Uh, yeah, I'll start out with Mordecai McDaniel. He'd actually lead the team in total tackles. Eight total tackles, three solo tackles, and a forced fumble. Really good game from him. Jalen Kimber would also have a big game. Six total tackles, four solo tackles, and one interception there at the end of the game where Kenneth threw it up deep, and it was underthrown, but once again, you saw a corner in position to make a play downfield. How many times have we not seen that in the past year? So Kimber was in the right spot at the right time, snags it for an interception there. And, you know, another guy I was really impressed with by this defense, and it may not be a guy that anybody's thinking about, Jordan Young. Six total tackles, three solo tackles, and I think what jumped out to me the most about Jordan Young was tackling in space. He had two really, really fantastic tackles where he sniffed out the play, saw the play happening before it developed. He was in the right spot and made an immediate tackle on the receiver. Just a fantastic overall tackles. And I don't know if they were tackles for loss, uh, but you know, you saw him there. It wasn't big yardage. I don't even think they had a gain on any of those two tackles that he had, but you saw him there in the right spot, and that's something you like to see defensively from an elite defense because we're used to having an elite defense at the University of Florida. So something different. Nothing you would see at a Don Grantham defense, I could tell you that. Tyreek Sapp would also have a big game for the defensive line. Six total tackles, three solo tackles, one tackle for loss, one quarterback hurry, one forced fumble. That's a lot of stats for a defensive lineman. Really, really fantastic game for Tyreek Sapp. One of the better defensive linemen, actually, in this game. Derek Wingo would also have a good game. Five total tackles, two solo tackles, and one tackle for loss. And another guy we've all clamored, Dewan Black, also made his name known. Three total tackles, two pass breakups, and a notable pass breakup where he had an interception there and dropped it. But look, we've been hearing about Black in practice, and he, you know he was an elite linebacker in high school and a Juco. We, I mean, you know, really liked what I saw from the Juan Black. Uh, the sky's the limit for this kid. Donovan McMillan had a great game, too. One total tackle, one solo tackle, and an interception in the end zone on a forced throw by Jack Miller. And as I said, he had a huge popping hit on DeMarcus Bowman earlier in that game as well, where his helmet flew off. So, uh, you know, you see why people like Coach Hayes and others rave about Donovan McMillan and his potential as a defensive player. And I was honestly happy I got to meet him there at Miller's Alehouse after the game. Just a really awesome laid-back kid. Now let's start with the Orange defense, as they actually led the blue team in sacks, tackles for loss, and total tackles. The Orange team would have a total of 60 total tackles, 20 solo tackles, 4 sacks, 4 tackles for loss, 1 pass breakup, and 1 quarterback hurry. And actually, the Orange defense had better statistics than the blue defense, especially when it came to sacks. And I also thought that the blue defense played pretty well, but the Orange defense had better numbers, and leading the team in total tackles on this Orange defense is a guy we've said we need to see improvement from, right? Amari Bernie, he would lead the team in total tackles at 11. He would also account for two solo tackles and a pass breakup, and if you look at the blue defense here, Mordecai McDaniel led the team in total tackles with eight. Amari Bernie led his team with 11 total tackles, so Amari Bernie had the most total tackles out of everybody on any defense. So good to see that Amari Bernie is actually getting his name out there and he's also making plays. As we said, we need to see improvement from him. It looks like Patrick Tony and the rest of that defensive staff have done really well with Amari Bernie here. Uh, Ventrell Miller would also play this game and have seven total tackles, two solo tackles, one sack, 
and one tackle for loss. A guy, you know, we're going to be relying on this year. We very much missed him last year, especially not. And I'll say this, his best attribute as a linebacker is, is clogging the run, clogging those gaps, stopping the run. And as we said, how many counter plays were run on us last year? How many running backs would at least just gash us right up the middle? You didn't really see that in the spring game, which was a good sign. But it was also a good sign that you got to see Ventral Miller just being, you know, being out there making some plays. So really good to see Ventral Miller coming back from injury, making plays, and he'll be key for this defense this year coming up. Jervon Dexter would also have a great game with four total tackles, one solo tackle, one sack, and one tackle for loss. Another key guy on this defensive line that at defensive tackle where we, we need people at. So need to stay healthy for Jervon Dexter and He's going to be gone after this year, probably going to the NFL. So, uh, yeah, got to hit that portal hard there. Uh, Princely Human Meelan would also have a great game for the Orange defensive line with three total tackles, two solo tackles, one sack, and one tackle for loss. Another guy on that defensive line who I praised kind of last year, and if you run the PFFs like Jay Bateman said in his press conference, you can see Princely Human Meelan was pretty, pretty productive for this defensive line. So, uh, really good to see him out there making some plays, too. And a guy maybe folks don't talk about much. Justice Boone would have a total of three total tackles, two solo tackles, one sack, and one tackle for loss. So great game for a guy who we just don't even hear his name that much. So those were some of the leaders and standouts for the Orange defense. And as I said, the defense this game on both sides of the football just looked leaps and bounds, night and day better from what I've saw the past three to four years. And, you know, the job that Patrick Tony and staff have done in a short amount of time just Shows what we needed for this defense. Give them something simple. Teach them to trust each other. I mean, you know, you saw, you know, not a lot of false starts this game, but you saw some, but not many defensive guys jumping off sides, uh, not looking confused, as I said before. So my overall analysis and thoughts about the spring game, we saw some good and bad. I mean, the offense flashed with Richardson at quarterback, but the defense also made plays, as I said last week. You want to see both sides of the football making plays, not just one side of the football. We didn't see many explosive plays on offense, that doesn't mean that this offense cannot move down the field. We saw when Richardson was in the game. The offense looked productive, even under a defense that wasn't giving a lot of yardage up on the ground, which is really good for a quarterback. The The only concern I have so far is health. And that's not, it just doesn't go for quarterback. I mean, tight end, defensive tackle, wide receiver, these are all positions we need to stay healthy at. As Napier said, we need players. He's going to have to hit the transfer portal hard, and he plans to do so. So, I happened to find a little snippet from Brandon Marcello on 24-7 Sports as he talked with Billy Napier earlier this week talking about the transfer portal. I don't necessarily know that I'm putting out a PA announcement here, but I, <laughs> I do think, uh, you know, it's just reality, you know, in today's world, right? We've basically added two free agency periods to college football. You know, we now have four signing periods. Uh, we used to just have one, right, in February. We added one in December. And now we've added a winter portal period and a spring portal period where there's um, opportunity there to acquire players, right? So I think every new staff that maybe has inherited some situations uh, that can be improved, you know, is going to use the portal, right? We certainly, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're not able to practice uh, the way that we would like to currently as a result of limitations in personnel, right? So, we need to increase uh, the talent on our roster. Uh, we need to improve the depth, and we're looking for significant contributors. We're looking for starters. We're looking for two deep players. 
Um, and there's no question that in May uh, that we've got an opportunity to make our team better, right? So um, we're going to put five walk-ons on scholarship this spring, right? That's the type of situation that we're in here. So, um, you know, it's part of the profession. It's part of the business. We're hopeful that we'll be able to add a number of players in May. And we're, we're not just going to take any player, right? We're going to go through our evaluation process. We're going to uh, dot the I's and cross the T's, and, and hopefully we can improve our team. What are your positions of primary need right now that you're looking at? I don't necessarily think specific. You know, I think right now out there on the field, uh, we're limited. Um, the interior defensive line is a position where we're a little bit limited. Receiver is a position where we're a little shorthanded. Um, you know, I mean, I think across the board at every position, we could use depth, right? We could use immediate impact type players. I think every coach in America would tell you that, right? So uh, this is like the National Football League, um, you know, having free agency, but nobody has a salary cap, right? So everybody has room. Um, you know, why wouldn't you be aggressive and go try to add players to your team? So we have room, um, and we're looking forward to, uh, you know, trying to make our team better here the next couple of weeks. All right, you heard it. Billy Napier, staff, hitting the portal hard this coming May. And But what I heard him say in that whole statement, I'm glad that he said it, is he said, we're not just going to take any guy. We're going to evaluate with the staff over the next couple of weeks. And that's not Dan Mullen evaluate. <laughs> that's actual evaluation of players. But I do like what he said there. We're not just going to take guys for depth and to fill holes. We're taking high quality, instant impact players in the portal. And, and oh boy, dude, <laughs> we need it, especially after losing Hopper, Diabate, Bogle, Gable, some of those guys at key positions on our team. So, Look to see a lot of portal news coming here in the next couple of weeks, but let's go ahead and continue with our spring game coverage here. And we'll start off with what Billy Napier had to say after Thursday's 34-0 orange and blue game score on the second part of our podcast coming up. Need a sign for your company, your man cave, your live stream or podcast? Give my guy Brandon White a shout out at White & Sons Wood Carving. He has the best handcrafted signs nationally, all custom fit for your needs with state-of-the-art paint and epoxy you can have that glow of your sign too with some custom leds as a package as well give him a shout out on twitter at ws woodcarving you can also follow him on twitch and check out his facebook page at white and sons woodcarving top of the line signs made from scratch College programs must be competitive in name, image, and likeness. It impacts current athletes and affects the decisions of recruits. And Gator fans can put Florida at the forefront of NIL. The Gator Collective is leading the charge, uniting fans and student-athletes like never before. Commit for exclusive content, interactions, and events which bring you closer than ever to your favorite players. Also, by joining the Gator Collective, you're empowering these student-athletes to build relationships and develop skills that go far beyond just making money. You're providing an avenue for these Gators to excel in life. NIL will change the landscape of college sports if we can't be left behind. Gator Nation, do your part by joining the Gator Collective today at www.thegatorcollective.com. You're listening to the Getting Swamped Podcast with your host, David Soderquist. Your number one source for all things college football and Florida Gators. You know, Anthony's a production of a lot of hard work, right? I mean, I 
can't say it enough, his approach um, has been first class, right? I mean, I think when I think about a quarterback, right, we think about a person who represents everything the organization is about, right? Certainly at the highest level of football, the quarterback is the face of the organization. They set the, the greatest example. You know, their work ethic, their attention to detail, their self-discipline, um, you know, their approach. So he's a product of his work. You know, he's learned a new system. Um, and, you know, standing behind him out there wasn't too big for him. He made, communicated well, and the ball went where it was supposed to go. Um, he was accurate. The players around him played well, right? The pocket was clean. Uh, guys made play on the ball, and um, it's a good day. You know, and I think um, to win, you need good quarterback play, right? You need good quarterback efficiency, and certainly he played well tonight. Dewan Black, just his level of activity and, and how much impact has he had this spring and growth? Yeah, I mean, what you see out there is what we've been observing each day. Um, you know, the guy's got some height and length. He's very instinctive, right? Even when he's wrong a little bit, you know, he can make it right and oftentimes makes plays. I mean, he, he is productive on a consistent basis, right? And, you know, one thing I would say about DeWan Black, during an identity program, I wrote his name down multiple days where he's, you know, probably the gold standard when it came to effort, uh, in the program. I mean, the guys really bought in. Um, and, you know, I, I will say this. Um, he's completely changed his reputation in the building, you know, relative to his attitude, his work ethic, how he goes about his business. And he's really um, academically, you know, had, had a, a decent semester. He needs to continue to work hard. Uh, but I'm very, I'm very pleased. I mean, what you see out there today is what we observe every day in practice. So, you know, it's amazing to me how a guy that's physically gifted, we got a lot of physically gifted, but we got talent, right? But it's about who you are as a person, right? I firmly believe better people make better football players, right? If we can focus on uh, the intangibles and these guys live life the right way and go about things the right way, um, football will come. And I think he's a good example of that. There you go. Lots and lots of praise there for Richardson and DeWan Black. And as I said, man, Richardson, he was accurate, man. He made plays, 75% completion rating, over 200 yards for the time he's on the field. I'll take that all day long for any quarterback in any game. I mean, Richardson just looked fantastic overall for an offense that couldn't really move the ball on the ground. And I won't say couldn't move the ball. The running backs did make plays. They, they, had, a, they had their moments. But there really wasn't any explosive plays on the ground to help out like a young quarterback and a defense that was actually playing pretty good through the air too. So I liked what I saw overall from Richardson. And I also liked how we talked about DeWan Black, you know, a kid he said was the gold standard when it came to his ideal football player. Now he didn't say he was the only great model player, but he did give him a ton of great accolades on and off the field. And the fact that he has improved academically, which, which what he struggled with before coming to the university of Florida. So Nice to see praise for both Richardson and DeWan Black. He also talked about running back and Louisiana Lafayette transfer, Montreal Johnson. Yeah, Montreal's, uh, Montreal's uh, extremely bright. You know, it picks things up quickly. Certainly, um, it was a very productive back for us last year. I think rushed, you know, I don't know, eight or 900 yards. Uh, was the conference player of the year. Um, he belongs out there. 
You know, I mean, I think he's 5'11 and a half. He weighs 217 pounds. You know, he hit 21 half miles an hour last year in the game on his GPS. So uh, he's got a big lower half. He's got contact balance. Um, he can protect. He can catch. Um, you know, and I, I think that, you know, like at a point right there at the end, we, we had two running backs get injured. Lingard had a hamstring. Ortiz had a knee. You know, we're sitting out there. What if we didn't have Montrell Johnson out there, right? So I think that's where we were able to take advantage of the portal, bring in a player that allowed us to practice, right? We'll we're, we're be excited to get Naquan back. He's certainly going to bring something to our team. But, you know, Montrell is what the doctor ordered, you know, and, and certainly is going to provide uh, depth and production for our team. You heard that, man. Just what the doctor ordered. Montrell Johnson, 841 total rushing yards, 12 touchdowns, 18 runs of 10 or more yards, and 49 total first downs, 24 missed tackles forced, 519 yards after contact, and 5.2 yards per rush while he was at Louisiana Lafayette. And he, as he said, Sunbelt Freshman of the Year. I will take that all day long, transferring over here at Florida, doing all of that in just one year. Billy Napier also shares his thoughts on the defensive side of the football, along with his thoughts on a certain prop that was revealed out there last Thursday. Uh, a lot of uh, fan attention to the turnover chain, and it looked like uh, Weston had a, a, another touchdown chain. Just what um, are those, and, and what do they mean to the players? And, and Turnover chain? I think so, Donovan Millen had like a chain around his neck after his interception. Yeah, nobody ran that by me. <laughs> so... That won't be happening. Sorry, sorry to break news. Yeah. Um, the defense in the first half, it looked like Anthony and, and, and the ones were able to kind of move the ball, and, and then they kind of, I guess, made some adjustments at halftime. Mm -hmm. um, just what did you see from your defense? What was your assessment? Yeah, I thought they responded, you know. I think um, you know, I, I told each one of those guys when we were handing out awards, some of those leaders on defense, hey, look, we need to respond here and go get some stops. And uh, certainly the staff did a great job of changing it up a little bit in the second half. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that ultimately this game uncovers things that you need to work on, right? So we got to handle adversity a little bit better. Um, and at halftime, they had a chance to do that. We had a chance for our players to lead, our coaches to adjust. Uh, it was good to see that, right? But there's, you think about how the game went, right? The Orange team turned the ball over, right? The Orange team had more penalties, right? Um, you know, the, the blue team took care of the ball. They played with poise and discipline, right? I mean, we're going to look at this tape, and it's going to be a microcosm of every football game that we'll play next fall, right? So, you know, I mean, you got to take care of the ball. you got to play the situations really well. Uh, fundamentally, you got to be sound in what you do. And then uh, the blue team made some explosive plays. You know, they were aggressive. Uh, and they finished possessions, whereas the orange team didn't, right? They missed the field goal, then they turned it down turn it uh, over in the red area. So that game's different if the orange team executes, you know, scores touchdowns in the red area, doesn't turn the ball over, right? I mean, uh, these are simple things, but they're hard to do consistently. You heard it. None of that fool's gold pawn shop stuff going over here like it is over there at Miami. No turnover chain or any prop on the sidelines here at the University of Florida. But you heard Napier talk about the defensive adjustments after halftime, challenging the defense, blue team playing with poise and discipline. As I said, six total penalties the whole game on both sides of the football. 
almost at that one penalty per 30 play average that Napier and staff are targeting. But as I said, defensively, giving up less than 100 yards in the air to the wide receivers, playing great man-to-man coverage, getting the best of the one-on-one throwing footballs, a really fantastic overall performance by the defense, although it wasn't perfect, was really pleased with Thursday's defensive performance. Receivers were tight ends tonight. Is that surprising to you, or are you not surprised based on the way those guys have stepped up this spring? Yeah, it's a, good, a significant stat right there. You know, I, I think first thing I would say is Dante Zanders. You can immediately see where he's got a future. You know, I, I can't compliment him enough. I mean, he's been the story of the spring. I mean, heck, we get three scholarship tight ends injured out for the spring, three, four, five practices in. Uh, we move him over from defense, uh, and the guy picked it up quickly. He did the extra. I mean, he was. In, I mean, I saw him around the facility more than some of our coaches. You know, he was in there grinding away, and he has ability. I mean, the guy's six five and a quarter. He weighs two hundred and sixty pounds. He's loose. He can transition. He's got good ball skills. Most importantly, he's smart, and he's consistent. Right, and the guy is uh, heavy-handed. At the point of attack, I mean, he's a godsend, you know. And uh, not only did he make the move, but that guy will be running out there. He's going to make a lot of plays for us. So extremely uh, pleased with Dante. There you go. Dante, Zanders, and Noah Keeter with the best overall performance along with Jaquavian Frazier's in receiving. Tons and tons of praise there for Dante here. Uh, Billy saying he's a godsend, smart, executes, at the point of attack, and he uh, and honestly, to me, he looked really good out there, and I was actually surprised and shocked at how well he played in the tight end role. Uh, you know, we may have a guy that we thought we didn't have at tight end, uh, but I, you know, I got to give props to Noah Keeter here too. Three receptions, fifty-three yards for a touchdown. Maybe that tight end position isn't so far off as we thought. Hmm, who knows? Uh, Billy also was asked about the transfer portal and how they evaluate people in the portal. Uh, you were talking about. Uh, Pulling guys out of the portal if they can if they can help you and but also the you know, better people make better players. How do you kind of reconcile those two things when you've got maybe a day, maybe a few hours to decide we need to be in on this guy or not? How do you how right. how do you do that research? You know, typically I would say that there's some sort some sort of relationship with most of these kids, a, a pre-existing relationship. You have knowledge of the player, maybe. Uh, someone in the building recruited the player. Someone in the building is connected to the area. Um, but you're, you're right. It, it is a challenge. What you're describing there is exactly what happens every day in our building, right? A guy goes in or a guy, rumor mill starts swirling, this guy's going in. You know, that's why we have an entire group of people in the back. That That's what they do every day, right? So Bird Cheryl and Chase Clark and that crew, you know, they're working on college personnel every day. Right. So and sometimes they may do a ton of work on a guy and then, hey, it never pans out. Uh, but it is a quick uh, time frame for an evaluation that typically you have a lot of time to do. Right. So I think it's a fair point that you're bringing up and it's one that um, that you got to be careful with. Right. Because you can't make a mistake. So so far, the young the players that we've added to our team, we had a connection with them before they got here. Uh, I think that's what you're going to see for the most part going forward. Uh, but, you know, for me, I'm much like you're describing. I want to make sure that we check all the boxes before we make a decision. It's a great, really good question. 
There you go. Talks about the evaluation and talks about having a pre-existing relationship with the player. Says that they have a team dedicated to monitor the transfer portal. I mean, we saw it. We we hired guys specifically to monitor the portal. So you guys, when you see a good player in the portal, trust me, Napier and staff see it. We don't have to tag them in the post or anything like that. Trust me, they see it. And you heard him talk on the 24-7 Sports show with Brandon Marcello. Their evaluation process, they're not going to take players just to plug holes. They're going to take good quality players. So wait till May. Wait till May before we we start worrying about the transfer portal. All right. Anthony Richardson and Jordan Young, who also had a big game defensively, also took to the media Thursday. Anthony, talk about what you felt like, you how well you performed tonight, and what did you see were your strengths, and did you feel any weaknesses out there? Uh, first, I want to say how you doing. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for the question, but um, you know, I felt like I played good. You know, um, just coming out there. My main thing, my main focus was just being consistent and uh, playing fast. You know, because um, I have uh, some good highs, some bad lows. So I just try to, I try to find like a, a midpoint out there and just stay consistent and just ride that wave the whole the whole time. How easy was it to pick up this offense? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I can't really say it's it's easy because I, I still. Some 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 of the plays I'm not uh, that familiar with, that comfortable with. So uh, it's kind of hard to say it was easy, but it's just a matter of just uh, doing extra work on your own, or even getting in with the coaches and just trying to learn like that. I feel like you put in the work and the time and the effort, and you uh, catch on to it pretty fast. Uh, so what are what do you like about this offense? Or do you like the tempo? Where you com- you seemed comfortable right out of the gates tonight? Honestly, I love the tempo. You know. Um, I talk to the old line uh, before every every drive, every series. I let them know like we got to play smart, we got to play fast, we got to be concise, you know. Because in this offense, if you do one thing wrong, then it'll mess up the whole play. So I just told them we got to play fast and play concise. And uh, if we do that, I don't think anybody can really stick with us because our tempo is pretty fast, and and we should know the plays like that. So honestly, I love the tempo. And. and- Noah, which you go back with him a bit, I would assume. I mean, you're both the same year, same town. What's your relationship, and, and was it fun kind of hooking up with him a few times? Honestly, he surprised me today. Uh, I played against him uh, in high school at Eastside, and he, he played defense, and he used to sack me uh, sometimes. But just him uh, switching over and coming to play tight end for us and just making plays like that, it surprised me, and I'm glad he was out there with us. Anthony, uh, Dante Sanders, the guy that started the spring on defense, moves over to tight end, has been apparently pretty productive. What can you say about just not only how difficult that transition is, but how well he's handled it? Honestly, I can just say the same thing Coach Napier said. You know, just first of all, just embracing new coaches, that's hard. And then trying to learn one playbook and being told to come play offense, like, that's, that's just a – like that's a, a hard thing to try to uh, grab and, and and take in, but he, he's uh, he's been excellent to me. Uh, I remember the first day they told me that he was going to be be out there. I was like, "Dang, that's different." And then I saw him walking. We were uh, going to our cars, and he was like, "Bro, I got you." And since then, he, he's had my back, and I'm thankful for that. There you go. You heard it from Richardson. Main focus, being consistent and playing fast. Said it wasn't easy picking up the offense at first. Says some of the plays he's still not comfortable with yet, but putting in the effort to learn. And I'm telling you, man, if that was a Richardson we saw Thursday that wasn't comfortable with some of the plays yet, <laughs> imagine the Richardson we get come September. <laughs> you know, 
talks about having communication with his offensive line, talks about Noah Keeter and Dante Zanders with high praise, prior relationships with Keeter in high school. So Richardson really stepping up here to learn this new offense and uh, get the plays down. Hey, Anthony, I think one thing people noticed a lot tonight was your delivery on your passes. I mean, it looked like you were throwing darts out there. Um, where have you kind of progressed with that and, and how much pride do you kind of take in the zip that you have on your throws? Uh, honestly, I feel like it's my decision-making, you know. Just being confident and, and deliberate with what I want to do, you know, because I feel like I've always had a, a decent arm, you know, but it's just uh, my thought process sometimes is terrible. But uh, I just try to keep it keep it uh, dialed in and just understand where the ball's supposed to go in certain coverages. And I feel like I did a, a decent job with that today. But just decision-making, that, that can make everything else easier, and I feel like that's, that's what was key role in that. You mentioned that thought process and getting that ironed out and stuff. How does Coach Napier approach that with you? Uh, how is, is that different much in the way you've been handled before this season as far as reading defenses and just getting the thought process right? Um, it's different, but it's not that different from uh, the old staff. You know, um, Coach Napier, he, he keeps things simple and like, he has certain ways to call certain plays and if he gives you this play, it's just simple as, do you want to throw that, yes or no? Can you throw it, yes or no? And if you can't, then just work this side, because this side most likely will, will work with any coverage. So it's just a matter of just keeping things simple and, and just helping us, you know, because we have a lot to handle within this new offense, but just keeping things simple, that's the, the key thing. You know, I like what Richardson mentioned in that segment was the fact that he's not concentrated on his arm or arm strength, but the decision-making progress, progressing through your reads, all the mental aspect of the game is what he is really focused on. And I think that's what separates a good enough quarterback from an elite quarterback is the mental part. Of course, being accurate, delivery of the football is key as well, but your decision-making is what can really affect the outcome of your offense, as he said. And once again, we heard it from another player, Billy Napier, making things simple, not asking too much, asking them what they can and cannot do, working around that, not giving them too much that they can't handle mentally as a false starts. As we saw last year, a ton of those. So some really good stuff here from Richardson. Now onto a guy I thought had a good defensive performance, especially when I talked about tackling Jordan Young. What, what, what do you think this or where do you think this defense is going to improve the most? All around, I say all around. I can't, I can't give you a, a specific uh, position, but I feel like all the coaches are working together, and then the coaches, Coach Napier brought in, is just uh, making the defense take a whole 360 turnaround, and everybody is just buying in, and we working every day to get better and better. Where are you seeing the improvement? You say, say what again? Where are you seeing the improvement? Um, I say, I don't even know. Like all around, I say all around. I just I can't give you a specific position. You you had a pretty productive night. What did you think of your performance individually? Um, I feel like I did good. I put my trust in God and just went out there and played. And my teammates went out there and balled too. Uh, they were calling uh, certain things for uh, everyone to make a great impact on the uh, offense and the defense. And we just went out there and had a good game. So where, where do you feel like you've made the most individual improvements in the last year? Um, just getting in the playbook, um, I, de I definitely think that was a, the biggest leap coming from high school to uh, college, just the playbook and the, and the uh, plays and just studying and learning them and the signals. And I definitely uh, dedicated my time to that this year and just playing with my teammates and just focusing more. How confident is this team in Anthony Richardson? 
Oh, we're, we're 100% uh, behind our quarterback and the, behind every quarterback. We're 100% behind anybody that put on the, that Gator uniform. So we, we love Ant. Well, what did you think just the way he played tonight? I mean, he came out pretty poised from the start. Amazing, uh, especially he being on the blue squad. I got to see it and cheer him on, and uh, the way he just pushed the ball down against the, the defense and just put it in the end zone was amazing. Jordan, uh, did you play mostly star last year? Uh, yes, uh, I came in as a corner. Um, we had a lot of uh, we had a lot of corners last year, and um, we we, we needed help in the star position. And I came in and just found a role, and. Um, I, yeah, I basically play mostly starters. What's, what's different about where you're playing now versus inside? Um, this year I'm playing. I'm, I, I really was playing mostly corner all spring, but we had a little incident, and um, I had to step in and play um, star today. So and I just did what my team needed me to do, and I came out and just played ball. Was it a turnover chain? You guys have um, I think it was. I, I kind of looked up, and I, after Donovan got a pick, I seen him with something on his neck, so I'm pretty sure we got something like that. I didn't know anything about it, though. It surprised me. Coach didn't know anything about it either. Did you guys pull a fast one on him? <laughs> yeah, I ain't know nothing about it. That might be the last thing. There you go. So you got to hear a little bit from Jordan Young, a guy who really had a fantastic game when it came to making stops and tackling in space. Uh, Just really curious to see how he fits in this defense moving forward as far as star fitting somewhere in that defensive backfield. But I was actually thoroughly impressed by what I saw by Thursday. And it looked like they were a little pressed for time on his interview. It only went like three minutes, but you also got to hear his take on the turnover chain that actually looked like an old uh, John Cena chain from back in the day. Only, uh, Only you old school wrestling fans will get that one. But nonetheless, a very eventful spring game. And I had a fun time, man, meeting some of the fans of the podcast, meeting new folks on Twitter and other social media platforms, and learning a huge lesson (laughs) that Gators Dockside, buy one, get one free beers and mixed drinks can be dangerous. (laughs) So special shout out to some of the Gators Breakdown Plus crew, David Waters and everyone else for showing up to that. But that'll wrap it up. For this episode of Getting Swamped, I hope you folks enjoy your Easter with your family. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Getting Swamped. You can also follow the podcast page on Twitter at Swamp Podcast. And you can also visit the website, www.gettingswamped.com and the YouTube page, Getting Swamped. But folks, that'll wrap it up for this episode of Getting Swamped. Make sure to keep your eyes on that transfer portal news coming here in the month of May. But thank you for listening to Getting Swamped, your latest in football, statistics, special guests, and social media. Thank you for listening to Getting Swamped.